We're going to read verses 4 to 10. Jeremiah 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the Lord bless us from his word this morning. Now, my delight. Tobin Heather, welcome to Gloucester Baptist. We're really looking forward to meeting you and getting to know more of God's work through you. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Firstly, we want to say a massive thank you to you all. Thank you for having us here today, but thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. It's really appreciated and we're so grateful to have churches in Australia praying for us. So I'm Heather Houston and this is my husband Tobias Houston. Um, and we're here on behalf of Global Interaction. You can just call us Tobin Hez if you like. So we're originally from the Central Coast um, before we moved overseas seven years ago. Um, so along with our three kids, Elijah, Rachel and Lydia, we now live in the far north of Mozambique, um, in a small town called Lashinga. And we work among the Yao people as part of the Global Interaction team there. And Lashinga is quite a rural town, um, with it being situated far from anything else. And the Yao people are a least reached people group who are mostly Muslim, and they're located in parts of Malawi, the northwest of Mozambique, and the southwest of Tanzania. So the purple area on the map. Um, least reach is a term that basically means it's a people group that doesn't have any reasonable possibility to hear of Jesus in a way that they can understand. So the Yao in general are an agricultural people who survive mostly through subsistence farming. Mozambique is one of the world's poorest countries and our province where the Yao live is um, one of the poorest provinces in Mozambique. The province is often known as the Forgotten Province. Um, and this is because of the country's civil war that was mostly fought in the northern areas, including where we live. So aside from their religious identity as Muslims, the Yao are also heavily influenced by their traditional African beliefs. So that means there's a widespread fear of witchcraft, the use of amulets and charms, as well as remembering their deceased ancestors in various ways. So we've been in Mozambique for seven years now. Um, when we first arrived in Mozambique, we began by learning the Portuguese language and the Yao culture of our new home. So you can't see it right now, but today I'm wearing what all the Yao women wear. It's called a capilana. Um, and women will often leave the house with two or more. And they're given as gifts for special occasions or from men to their sweethearts. So it's common for women to have multiple sets. 
Um, and they use these cloths for pretty much everything, from carrying their babies to bundling up their laundry to take to the river, um, a wrap when it gets cold, tablecloths, curtains, bed coverings. Um, and at the moment, it's quite popular for men to have shirts made out of capillanas, like topes. Um, yeah, so all the different ways that the Yao women use the capillanas show how versatile and strong they are themselves particularly in the light of the struggles they face every day. So for example, pregnant women will be out on the farm working until the day they go into labor. And these women just somehow carrying on, doing what they need to do in spite of losing children to illnesses. Their resilience is astounding and the things they can manage to do even when life is tough is inspiring. And the trusty Capilana is there with them through it all. So since our first couple of years, Tobe has also learnt the local language of Chiao, which is the heart language of the Yao people. And over the last three years, I've been homeschooling the kids, which has enabled Tobe time to be able to go out and survey the Yao's language in Mozambique to assess the need for a Mozambican Chiao Bible translation. And so from these survey results, it's clear that the existing translation from Malawi isn't adequate for the Yao people in Mozambique. So there's enough differences between the countries for there to be a need for a separate project. So now we're looking at options um, for the best way forward for scriptures that will engage the Yao of Mozambique. And Tobe will likely be managing whatever our team undertakes. Um, so our team as a whole um, is about empowering the community to develop their own distinctive way to follow Jesus. And having scriptures that the Yao can engage with themselves is an essential part to reaching that goal. We want the Yao to be engaging in the scripture themselves in their own language and then with the help of the Holy Spirit reaching out to their own communities. Yeah, morning everyone. Um, so as Hez was just talking about the survey, I know probably some people might get our newsletter and have followed some of what's been going on with that, but I thought I would sort of take a step back and talk about the survey and what it was all about, why I did it, what we wanted to find out. Um, the background uh, to it came about because uh, the only available Chiao scriptures come from uh, Malawi, so it's another country, um, not right where we are. And we wanted to know whether the stuff that we can get from Malawi is adequate for use in Mozambique or not with Mozambican Yao people. Um, and our, the Global Interaction team as a whole in Mozambique is sort of doing a range of things, but there's a number of people who are taking Bible stories and going out to villages and sharing stories with people. Um, so, you know, scripture is very much a foundation to everything that, that we do as a team. But without having, you know, the scripture itself um, as a cent at the centre, any community movement to Jesus is ultimately going to be fragile and unsustainable. Um, you know, it's important to have God's word at the centre. And so, uh, because of that, that uh, value, uh, I spent the last couple of years surveying the Yao people's language in Mozambique, uh, which is called Chiao to see if it was similar or different uh, in Mozambique to Malawi and Chiao, and then whether a separate translation of the Bible would be necessary or not. Um, and as Hez mentioned, you know, we're all about empowering communities to develop their own distinctive ways of following Jesus. And so we believe that people having access to scripture uh, in an appropriate form and in an accessible way uh, is vital to seeing that vision become a reality. And so I began the survey uh, specifically, it involved three different tests. 
Uh, the first was to gather a word list of over 350 words uh, to compare them to various locations within Mozambique, but also to Malawi uh, and even Tanzania. And so each location's list is compared to each other location's list, as well as each location being compared to all the other um, locations as a whole. And then the list is analysed specifically for vocabulary similarities uh, and then pronunciation similarities. Uh, so I looked at the list uh, to compare what words people are using, um, but then also how they're saying them, you know, how do they sound. Uh, so for example, I encountered uh, three or four different words for tomato, um, depending on where I was. Uh, an array of different ways to talk about a rainbow, um, and then at least two different words for milk. Um, yeah, so we're just talking about just everyday common words. Uh, and so as well as that word list, uh, I also interviewed over 130 people about their attitudes toward their language, uh, but also the attitude to the languages of other people um, and you know, the language of Portuguese and so on, uh, as well as just life with Chiao. Um, and that's important because it tells us how healthy Chiao is as a language. You know, is it on its way to, to dying as a language? Is it healthy? Uh, where do people use it? Do they only use it at home? Do they use it at the market? Um, what about when they're talking to people from the government or um, other sort of official offices like that? What language do they use? Um, and then also, do people even want access to the written word? I mean, the word of God, but also just written words in general. Um, and so that interview process that I conducted uh, was with um, about 60 questions in total. So it's quite a comprehensive look into... Uh, all things related to what people think about their language and how they use it. Uh, and then the third thing uh, which I found sort of the most exciting was what's called recorded text tests, uh, which is basically a big comprehension exercise where uh, participants listen to Bible stories from Malawi uh, and then I tested their level of understanding. And so I did that part uh, with over 200 participants uh, in 17 different villages. Um, and out of those 200 participants, only two people were Christians, um, and they were people that I happened to know already. Uh, and so the whole process is rather intensive. Um, I covered many miles, thousands of miles, uh, in extremely remote locations, uh, on unsealed roads, primarily bush tracks. Um, I had to do it all in the dry season, because the wet season would be impossible to get around. Um, I had to have a satellite phone with me so I could call Hez to let her know that I was still alive. Um, yeah, jerry cans of fuel, uh, many cans of tuna um, to eat, uh, too many. Um, you know, no showers, uh, and prayer particularly that we wouldn't break down out in the middle of nowhere, because um, it's literally the middle of nowhere. I've never experienced the middle of nowhere like this before. Um, and there's no NRMA or anything like that who could help us out if there's any issues. Um, yeah, but one day uh, I was out in a particular village, a Yao village, uh, where virtually everyone, in fact everyone, uh, in the village identified themselves as Muslim. Uh, in fact, out of around 25 people uh, who participated in the survey in that village, uh, every one of them said Islam when I asked about their religious identity. Uh, the village uh, chief, who I had to sort of talk to to get permission uh, to be in his village, he's kind of a cheeky man. Um, he kind of floated around in the background when other people were doing uh, their interviews and things. But I talked to him about his village, um, and he said that there's no Christians here in my village. Um, you know, we are Muslim, and we're proud to be Muslim. 
but despite that, in that setting and with this guy's permission, uh, I brought along three audio recordings taken from a Malawian Chia Bible uh, in order to test Mozambican comprehension of those recordings. And the chief himself listened to them as well. Um, so the recordings that people listened to included the story in the book of Exodus uh, when the Pharaoh refused to give uh, straw uh, to the Hebrew slaves um, so they couldn't you know, make bricks. Um, and then the other two stories included the parable of the sower uh, and the time when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves uh, during the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And so both of those from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and so for most of the people, um, this was the first time they'd heard anything uh, meaningful at all about the person of Jesus. Um, so that's, I guess, what I found really exciting. Um, now after one particular Yao lady uh, in this village had finished listening to all three of the stories, uh, and even though her comprehension wasn't actually very good, um, it was quite poor, really, uh, she said to me, sort of in a hopeful, almost pleading manner, I like listening to these stories. Do you have any more you can leave with me? You know, I want to hear more after you've gone. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, the recordings I had were just the three that I'd produced with a Malawian speaker uh, myself for the survey uh, from the latest possible version of the uh, scriptures that we could get. Um, and so I had to answer, yeah, Sorry, but I don't have any others. Um, and I tell you that for two reasons. Um, the first is just to share with you in, that in general, you know, the Yao people are, are waiting, even longing to hear these stories. You know, I, I can't think of one person who wasn't keen to sit down and listen to these stories, you know, out of 200 people. You know, the stories about how Lungu, God, created the world and how, you know, people are made in God's image. You know, people don't know how valuable they are in God's eyes. It's just not something they ever hear in, in Yao society. The mosque doesn't talk about that. You know, there's a hunger to hear about, after the whole bricks and straw incident from the book of Exodus, well, God went on after that to rescue the Hebrew slaves from Pharaoh's oppression and eventually guided them to the promised land. And then ultimately, and this is the story that the lady in the village really wanted to hear more about, there's a desire to know more of Isa Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, and how it could be that even the wind and the waves obeyed this person. And then the second reason for telling you the story is just to show again that the word of God itself is so important to our work um, and indeed central for any community that professes faith in Jesus. And so my role uh, into the future now is to look at how I can change my answer from sorry I don't have any more stories to yes I do have more stories you know, why don't we listen to one together or here sure here's one uh, for after I've gone um, you know I just love uh, that people the our people have that hunger uh, to know more of God it makes it a little bit easier in some ways than here where people don't want to hear it sometimes um, but it breaks my heart that one of the restrictions to them knowing about God more fully is related to something as simple as a lack of a translation product with which they can read or listen to uh, for themselves. You know, I personally enjoy our many English translations. Uh, even in Mozambique, I have you know, over a dozen different ones on my sh uh, bookshelf. Um, but the situation for Mozambican Chia, for Mozambican Yao people, is that they don't have one translation with which they can properly engage. Uh, you know, the best in available at the moment, it comes from another country, it's 
very difficult to get your hands on, uh, and particularly people out in rural locations, it's, it's virtually impossible uh, to find it or to even hear about it. Yeah, my heart is very much uh, for people to be engaging with Scripture themselves, uh, to be wrestling with what God's Word is saying to them. And so this dilemma is where we're at as a family within the Global Interaction team, looking at how we can uh, possibly be involved in helping to remedy that situation, to be part of bringing the Word of God into good and accessible Mozambique and Chiao. You know, we want the Yao to be attracted to Scripture because of the stories that they hear within it, because of the message. You know, we want them to encounter Jesus in it. But for that to happen, it obviously needs to be a good representation of their language uh, and it needs to be accessible to them. They need to actually be able to get their hands on it. Um, and so the next steps for us uh, are looking at the options for a project, uh, given that the survey results have indicated that Mozambique and Yao people uh, would indeed benefit from their own uh, Bible translation. And so I'm currently researching the options going forward uh, with the most exciting thing I'm looking at being an oral Bible translation project. Um, so that is, it's a translation of the Bible that's produced orally um, to begin with, and it uses people who are not necessarily literate uh, to produce the translation. Um, and of course, there's all sorts of issues to do with accuracy and um, training and quality and everything. But there's a lot of potential in this option um, because you know, the people who do the translating can be people who can't read, which you know, in our Australian society is not that big a deal. Most people can read. Um, but in our society, about 95% of people are illiterate um, and probably higher in rural areas. Um, and there's more and more projects who are starting to do this. Uh, and there's tools available to help with the process. Um, and I don't think there's a reason uh, to think that we can't do something really good with it. Uh, and so, yeah, these issues is what I'm looking into at the moment um, as we sort of head into the future. And so I can't say exactly what we're going to do, whether it's going to be this or that, you know, um, but basically speaking, we are looking at starting something, a, a Mozambique and Chiao Bible translation uh, project of some kind. Um, yeah, but for all of this to happen, of course, um, you know, for Yao people to, to come to know Jesus and for the word to become known, uh, I mean, through us at least, uh, we need partners to come alongside us. Um, you know, if you're curious about how it's all going to play out, um, I'd encourage people to, to sign up for that newsletter. Um, and you can do that at the, the back of the room. We've got a sign-up sheet at the table. Um, yeah, so you can add your name and email address to that. And we have a Facebook group as well. Um, and importantly, um, you know, I think about this a lot when we're when I'm out in the villages and things, just knowing that people are praying for us, it makes such a difference. Uh, so I just want to encourage people to keep praying for us. Uh, we need people like you to pray for us, um, but also for the Yao as well, for people like that lady that I encountered. Um, uh, and as well as the church as a whole that does support us, we do still need individual financial partners uh, to give generously in support uh, so that we can continue working in Mozambique. Uh, generally speaking, Global Interaction finds that about 50% of um, finances come from individuals, about 50% comes from churches. Um, so I just want to put that out there. Um, and just for example, our support level uh, when we arrived back in Australia uh, in December um, was just over 79% of the total uh, that we needed to have together. And, and even now, after a number of months in, uh, we're still only just over 80%. Um, and we do believe 
uh, that God's called us to Mozambique. Um, you know, he's kept us there already for seven years. We've been through this sort of thing before, um, and we believe he has things under control. Um, but I do just want to be upfront and say that uh, we do still need something like the equivalent of 30 people uh, pledging $100 a month before we can go home. Um, and the plan is to go home uh, in June, um, but we'll see what happens. And once again, on the table at the back of the room, we have support cards that you can fill out for that. Um, we also have photos and calendars and a book for sale that all goes towards our support as well. Um, but the, the regular giving is really, um, you know, provides that sense of security as well. Um, and in the, I just want to sort of finish with um, the story that the our people listen to about Jesus um, calming the wind and the waves. You know, as part of that time, you know, the disciples were sort of quite afraid and Jesus asked them, why are you so afraid? And I think sometimes we can be afraid uh, to take that next step you know, when it comes to facing what God's calling us to do. It might be as simple as uh, you know, being afraid to have a conversation with someone that we know we need to have. Uh, or we might be afraid that God's tapping us on the shoulder to something more than just here. Uh, and so for Hez and I, for example, our, our call was partly confirmed you know, to go to Mozambique. Uh, when we actually visited Africa together uh, shortly after we were married uh, to see if you know, this ministry is what God was calling us to. Um, we were on a long bus journey one night uh, between uh, two places in Zambia. I think it was about a 12-hour drive. It was quite significant. Um, but when we eventually got to the destination, um, you know, it was early hours of the morning, about 1 o'clock in the morning, something like that. Uh, you know, we're newlyweds, we were only 18, uh, we're in a place, we didn't know the language, uh, we didn't know where we were exactly, um, we had nowhere to go in terms of places to stay, uh, because the Lonely Planet guide that we had, the, all the phone numbers were, didn't work anymore. Um, you know, in the midst of this situation at a bus stop in, you know, the early hours of the morning, there's so-called taxi drivers everywhere, drunk, offering us lifts to who knows where. Um, you know, this lady just sort of out of nowhere approached us and just began with, do not be afraid. Um, you know, there's echoes of scripture in those words. You know, like Jeremiah that we just heard, you know, God said to Jeremiah, do not be afraid. You know, Mary, you know, as she's pregnant with Jesus, you know, the angel says, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, Joshua, don't be afraid. Abraham, there's just so many people who experience that. Um, and so for us, you know, those echoes of scripture was just uh, clear. Uh, and then the lady also said that we could sleep on the bus, she'll, we'll get a taxi in the morning uh, to the border and go on to a place called Mangochi from there. Now, we'd never said anything at any point uh, during the journey that we were going to this place called Mangochi which was actually still another few hundred kilometres away. It was in another country. Um, and it, it wasn't a natural destination by any means of where we currently were. Um, and so that moment, you know, of this lady, just do not be afraid. You can get the bus, or get the taxi to the border and get to this place that we hadn't talked about. Um, you know, that confirmed to us that, you know, if this is where God wants us, then he, he will look out for us. Um, and so my encouragement uh, to you is don't be afraid uh, to allow God to call you to where he wants you to be, uh, to what he wants you to do. Uh, and it might not be cross-cultural work. Uh, 
and that's fine, it was for us. Um, but whatever it is, don't be afraid. You know, be obedient, be courageous, uh, and don't forget the promise that God does give us in Jesus, that he will be with us until the very end of the age. And then just finally, uh, another thank you to the church for your support over the last few years. It's great that we finally get a chance to come and visit Gloucester. Um, you've been supporting us for a while now, so just thank you. Uh, we're really so grateful and glad that we can come here this morning. Uh, and then as the Yao, uh, say optimistically when departing or, or saying goodbye to someone, Mpaka Malay, which basically just means until tomorrow. So thank you very much.